What's going on, guys? Zane here with Everything Vive. I want to welcome you back for another episode. On today's episode, we have a special guest, and that is Paolo Encarnacion. And he is from the studio Boundless Dynamics, which brought us all VTOL. And uh, we actually covered VTOL in a previous Game Talk episode. I believe it was episode number 75. So you can go ahead and listen to our experience there. Uh, but just briefly, you know, I, I was the one who offered my experience and my take on it. I'm not much of a flight sim guy. I'm not, you know, I don't get excited about seated experiences, but this one was recommended to me by Damon and it completely blew me away. So uh, we were excited to get Paolo on the show. And as you'll see, he's actually a one man show. So it's actually very, very impressive to see what he has done overall with the game and the plans that he has for the future. So we dig into quite a few things. And uh, if you're a fan of the game, if you're a fan of flight sims, I think you'll find it fascinating, especially the math, physics, and a lot of just the the development part and science that goes behind it, which is something that I'm, I don't know too much about, but I love hearing about uh, because that's, that's what makes these games tick. That's what makes VR as uh, compelling and as amazing of an experience as it is. Uh, so before we jump in, though, we are doing a giveaway for the game. Uh, Paolo was kind enough to give away three Steam keys. So we are going to do our usual YouTube giveaway. And so let's, let's make this fun. Um, well, actually, before we get into that, the way that you can enter into the uh, giveaway is through the YouTube episode corresponding to this. So this is going to be episode number 76. If you're listening on iTunes, Stitcher, or somewhere else, head over to YouTube, and there will be an episode number 76 on there. And make sure you leave a comment. And what we'll do to make it fun is give us your favorite, oh, uh, favorite movie with an airplane in it. Um, my personal favorite is probably going to be Con Air. It was, uh, yeah, it was a fun movie back in the day. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna date myself in terms of uh, how old I am, but I really enjoyed it back in the day. So, get, leave us your favorite flight movie or or movie that occurred on an airplane, and uh, we will randomly draw the top three. Or I'm sorry, we will randomly draw the three winners for uh, the giveaway. And so, uh, yeah, let me stop rambling on. We're going to jump right into this interview. And thank you guys for listening. Hope you enjoy. Paolo, how's it going, man? Good. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm Zane here with Ronnie. Ronnie, how you doing? Doing great as always. Hey, Ronnie. Hello. So, Paolo, we are excited to have you on. Um, this is uh, the first flight simulator game that Ronnie and I have tried, and it has blown me away. I know... Uh, I spoke about it during our last episode, the, the Game Talk episode where we covered it, and I, I've never been much of a, of a flight sim guy, um, and I, to be honest, I, I've actually tried to stay away from seated experiences in the vibe just because I feel like, you know, with room scale, that's what I really wanted to get into, but Damon, uh, who hooked us up, was raving nonstop about this game, and I could see why as soon as I got in and started training. Um, so... Let's let's start from the very top. Uh, this is your studio is Boundless Dynamics. It's mm -hmm. it's just you, if I understand that correctly. That's um, right. Why don't you tell us a little bit more about yourself, how you got started, and then we can talk a little bit more about the game and the inspiration for that. Sure. Um, well, first of all, thanks for having me. Uh, so, I I got into game development like long time ago. Actually, I used to make Counter Strike maps and. Um, uh, I played like a little bit of RPG Maker, but I didn't really get 
into it until um, after I left college and I, I discovered Kerbal Space Program. And uh, I don't know if you know about that game, um, but there's a, it's, it has a pretty big uh, modding community. Okay. And I definitely know of it. I haven't played it that much, but I know people rant and rave about it. Just and mm. I and I actually know a lot of like parents that play it with their kids, and it yeah, really cool. But anyways, yeah, continue on. Yeah. So um, I just I just had so many ideas that I wanted to like turn into mods. So I spent like a whole like year or two just cranking out mods, and that's where I learned all about game development and Unity and three D modeling and like texturing and programming. And then one of my mods got kind of popular and it was a weapons mod that uh, just added all kinds of like missiles, rockets, guns to what used to be a very peaceful game. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. Like I, I saw the connection as far as like the physics and, and like I, I know, I mean in Kerbal, right, it's all about building, building, building a spaceship more or less, or like a rocket. Yeah, it's pretty much just about building uh, spacecraft and exploring the solar system, <laughs> and I turned it into a war game. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure there were many people out there that were super excited about that. <laughs> yeah. So that um, that got me hooked on game development because, like, I really enjoyed seeing people like have fun and making videos and and just ask like keep asking for more. And yeah, so um, I decided to. Like direct that effort towards my own uh, my own work, hmm. and so, so when did that transition yeah. to VR then? Um, what like was there a, a switch that was flipped, or was it just kind of like a natural progression that led you to VR? Um, well, I watch. I used to watch like a lot of gaming uh, channels on YouTube, and there was one that um, I'm sure you've heard of them. Stress Level Zero, like we're making. Mm-hmm. Uh, hover junkers. I was like watching their their development videos, mm-hmm. and I was like, like not only does VR look really fun, uh, really fun, but like developing for it seems like it would be really fun. So um, I decided to go get a Vive, and um, probably the first after the first week of playing the lab, I was like, I definitely have to make a game in VR. That's awesome. <laughs> that, that game, that game is magical. That game convinced me to buy a vibe. So, <laughs> well, and I yeah. and I think that's really cool that you you started you started experimenting with VR and right away you know wanted to I guess direct your your creative impulses towards that since you had you know worked on on games in the past and and specifically mm-hmm. I I mean I I think I'm sure we're gonna get get to speaking a little bit more about what inspired you to create uh, mm-hmm. VTOL, but. Um, I, I think it's a really inspired choice to pick a game that has such a wildly different type of interface than most games, um, mm-hmm. in terms of just like a lot of switches and and you know uh, different control mechanisms and whatnot. Because that really is something that up until VR would have been very very difficult to do that well um, in a traditional game. It, it almost it not not to not to put it too much like not to make too many uh, comparisons that aren't you know, completely one-to-one, but it, it kind of reminds me of, of uh, what I'm trying to think, what Steel Battalion for the original Xbox, right? A game that, mm-hmm. that you know, require, you're basically pilot, piloting a mech, and in order to kind of have that, that you know, experience of feeling like you're actually, um, you know, piloting this, this, huge, this huge machine, uh, they had 
like an outrageously, you know, complicated controller that was super expensive at the time and now is really hard to find, but it had all kinds of switches and nozzles. And, and that was the cool thing about that game really was, was kind of just, just, you know, working this machine basically. And and I, Mm -hmm. and I think that's one of the really cool things that VTOL does is, I mean, Mm -hmm. I feel like more so than anything, one of the, the most fun aspects of it is you feel like you're actually, you know, working a real machine when you're, when you're piloting the various vehicles. I mean, I felt like I was learning how to fly. And I, yeah. And, and so that, that kind of leads me to my next question then. Well, and to preface this, is, is VTOL the first game that you've developed for, uh, for I guess, VR? Uh, yeah, it is. It is? Okay. So, well, one, what got you into, uh, you know, VTOL, like flight sim, that whole genre? And two, mm-hmm. like, do you, do you have a background in this? And I, I guess those questions are somewhat related, but... More, more so just the inspiration for the game then and and how it came about because, uh, like Ronnie was saying, it's so intricate and so complex, but in the best way possible because, you know, this is this is what VR can really highlight. And, um, yeah, so I'm just curious what uh, how that worked out for you and, and how that kind of came about. Yeah, so um, I guess it started when I had, when my uncle, when I was little, got me a joystick and I would play like flight simulators and mech games. Um, and they weren't really that uh, detailed back then, but nowadays there's, like, for example, DCS World. Um, it's like a combat flight simulator where there's all these controls in the cockpit that uh, you can click on. And so that was really cool, but it's still just like clicking on things on your screen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wanted to do something like that, but we're like, you're actually in the cockpit because there's uh, the biggest frustration I had was being able to look around, and obviously you can use your mouse uh, or like a track IR, which is like a head tracking thing. Mm-hmm. But you're still looking at a screen, and um, like it just seemed like some, like the perfect thing to have a VR headset for. Um, and there, like there are uh, there is compatibility for VR in these games, like especially. Uh, Elite Dangerous, you know, any kind of cockpit game usually has uh, VR support. But since it wasn't designed for VR, there's so many things that don't work with it. Like you can't read, um, you can't read uh, labels or like buttons, and you can't see your hands. So like when you're reaching for your keyboard, you can't see the keys or the buttons on your joystick or anything. Mm-hmm. So I I just wanted to have like something where everything just worked perfectly for VR and that's just like the philosophy I had designing VTOL. How difficult was it to come up with the, to design the interface and, and like, I mean, for example, like, you know, you have the working thrust lever, you have the working joystick, you have a lot of those things that, I mean, are very, they're all very intuitive in the game. You're able to like lock in on them with your hands and like everything, it, everything felt realistic, but at the same time, when you needed it to be a little bit less realistic for the sake of, you know, like, like I said, like the, the clicking onto the joystick, for example, like I thought all mm-hmm. of that stuff was really smartly done because it, it balances that line of, of being realistic, but not frustrating. Like how, how, how was the process of once you decided that that's what you wanted to do and you wanted to take those, those concepts of like, you know, the cockpits and, and other games that were less, uh, focused for the VR experience. Like, how did you take that initial thought and actually implement it? 
Um, so that was actually the first thing I tried. Uh, the whole game started just as a prototype to see if um, I could like use the motion controllers as flight controls. So the very first thing I did was uh, make a little joystick and try like just basically copying the rotation of the controller onto that the model of the joystick. And it was it was like the first day. Um, it just seemed like it worked perfectly. <laughs> and <laughs> I just like took it from there because yeah, I mean um I don't know if it was luck, but I just the first thing I tried just seemed to work really well. Huh. And, and I and I bet um, that gave you a lot of confidence as far as okay, this this I can do this. <laughs> yeah, can, yeah. <laughs> Very well, cool. Yeah, and the thing is, like, it's it's one of those snowball effects, right? As soon as you get something working, then you're excited to like, okay, well, what else can I do with this? Um, what else can I add? And I, I I totally get where you're coming from. So it's it sounds like the joystick was the first part that you created. I mean, how did the rest of the cockpit come about? Did you do a lot of research? Uh, do you do you fly yourself in in real life? Um, not VR, but in real life, like, I, where did the research come in, and I, like, what was the idea behind the the design for the cockpit? Um, yeah, so I don't fly in real life. Uh, I wish I did, but um, I basically just watched tons of YouTube videos, and um, some real pilots came onto my chat, uh, my Discord chat, and kind of gave me some advice. Um, and yeah, just like talking to people online. Um. Yeah, just basically, just a lot of online research into like how things work and um, like why things are where they are, and just like how to control different parts of the plane. How far does the sim have to work in 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 VTOL, for example? Like, I, I know obviously the the switches all feel like they're they're working real parts of of the aircraft and everything, but like, was that something that? you kind of had to figure out or are there ways in, in unity to kind of cheat around some of that stuff or kind of what, how did, how did you, once you had the kind of the, some of the working UI, how did you translate that to an actual aircraft? Um, well, unity does have, um, a whole bunch of like, it has a physics engine built in, of course. Um, so I just had to write like, a little bit of code for like moving a control surface and then like calculate the uh, like the forces on it um, based on like uh, aerodynamic equations that I just searched online. Wow. <laughs> and then so like it's kind of like a whole bunch of like little tiny pieces that just I just kept adding and adding and adding on. Um, so for example, well I guess like. For like the, for each switch, um, I just set it up in a way that I could have a switch, and then like uh, just switching it would set would change a value, and then I would have like um, a separate system like that controls uh, the like the deflection of the flaps, for example, and then simply I just connect that other system to the switches, and then. Um, just like I don't know what I'm, what I'm trying to get at, but <laughs> it's basically just like a whole bunch of small components uh, moving together, or like yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Did, were there ever any instances of of of, do, of putting certain pieces together that kind of yielded really unexpected results? Or 
Um, not sure. Because that sounds yeah, like I, I can just imagine like when you're when you're kind of inputting all of that stuff and connecting things together and all that sort of thing, that that sometimes things might interact yeah, in like, a funny way. Like those little happy accidents, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's just like something <laughs> pops out. Well, well, so, I mean, you can think about that. I, I actually wanted to follow up real quick on, on what you were talking about earlier with some pilots coming on the Discord channel. I mean, that's that's super cool. So I just, I have a lot of respect for the fact that, like, you, you actually don't have a flying background, but you went out, you did the research, you connected with, you know, actual folks who are, who have the knowledge behind this. I, I what what was that like for you? What if there was like, do you are there any cool stories or any like what's the one thing that a pilot maybe said to you or that you found out that hadn't even crossed your mind and you're like, oh wow, I hadn't factored for this at all, but it makes sense now that I'm building out a, you know a cockpit in a flight sim. Yeah, a few things. So one, um, I was uh, last weekend I was watching uh, YouTube videos of people playing, and this one guy climbed up to like thirteen thousand feet. And then he looked out the window and he said, yeah, this is actually what 13,000 feet looks like. And I had no idea what 13,000 feet looks like. <laughs> but just because I kind of modeled things on like real world scales and, and units, it just turned out that way. So I thought that was really cool. Huh. Um, and then, uh, let's see what else. Uh, well, this one, uh, there was a helicopter pilot that was on the Discord channel. And he was actually helping test out the game before I released it. Um, and he, he, they mentioned that, um, I don't know if it was him actually, but someone mentioned that uh, the roll rate seemed seemed odd. And like I wouldn't be able to tell that because I don't really know like how, how quickly a real airplane rolls. Um, but sure enough, he was right. And I noticed that there was uh, missing... Like the wings weren't being uh, accounted for in like the the mass of the momentum of the plane. So once I fixed that, uh, it actually worked, or it behaved more like how it was supposed, how they expected it to. <laughs> That's really really cool yeah. that you're able to 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 mess with 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 ju- like with the the physics behind everything and the equations and put and get such accurate results. I mean, like, it, I think that's really, really fascinating. I was just going to say the same <laughs> thing. It is fascinating just to, to think about how intricate that part is and how, how granular you can get. Uh, mm-hmm. If you don't mind me asking, and, and I'm just curious, do you have a technical background or, you know, was, is like your foray into all of this flying flight sim stuff? Like, is, are you kind of just learning on the fly? No, no pun intended. <laughs> Um, well, I majored in uh, mechanical engineering in college, but I that was only for a couple of years, and I, I transferred to computer science. Uh, so I did on. have those, those two will get you to a good place, though. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I did have a pretty decent uh, physics background, but a whole lot was learned actually by playing Kerbal Space Program because um, there's like there's so many things you can learn in a classroom, but you don't really visualize it until you like see it in motion and uh, KSP did a great job of, of like letting you see like how things move or why things move according to these equations. That's and so cool. So, I mean, that's, that's you essentially taking, 
your previous experience as a gamer and as a developer and, and bringing it into to VR or at least kind of letting, letting that progress with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What, what was, what was like, was there anything else that stood out from there that you kind of brought along that once, once you realized that you had the skill set for it, you're like, Oh, okay. I, you know, I'm glad that I was able to pick that up from, from previous games or previous development. Um, Sorry, I don't really understand the question. Oh, sorry, I I I tend to do that. My my bad. <laughs> but it's I guess I'm just I'm just thinking like I, I think it's really cool the fact that you were talking about this game that you had played a while back had in, kind of inspired you to get into the whole thing, and now was also one of the building blocks that you used when when designing VTOL and developing VTOL. Uh, I was just curious if there's anything else specific that you remember from your time there, aside from the physics and dynamics, uh, if there was other things that you picked up from like your early days where as soon as you started developing for VR, you're like, oh, I already know how to do this or it makes sense or I can kind of translate this much easier, even though it's in a three-dimensional space and I'm designing uh, a game in virtual reality that I'm actually inside of and it's not on a screen. Does it make more sense? Um, yeah. Um, I guess... Like when I was writing the, when I was writing the like the hovering autopilot, um, there was, it's like a lot of, um, it's like it's kind of like real uh, engineering when you go into like because if if you're not cheating and writing the code in a way that like, <laughs> like this is just gonna hover because yeah. I'm not moving it through code, but like. It's actually being affected by gravity and lift forces and torque and all that stuff. Then when you write a control system for that, it's it's kind of like writing a real control system for a real vehicle. So I'm really um, glad to hear it. Sounds like you really you really didn't use very many shortcuts from what it sounds like. <laughs> as far yeah, as thanks. as far as the coding went. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How, how long have you, I don't know if you don't mind me asking, how long have you been working on VTOL? How, how complicated has it been uh, as, a, as your first VR project? Um, well, I started working on it uh, when I got the Vive, which was in July last year. Mm-hmm. So I guess about 13 months. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was still taking classes on the side, so it wasn't like I was working on it every day. But... Um, yeah, the, the, I guess the main thing about VR was kind of just making everything optimized enough to have a decent frame rate. And like I'm running, my computer has the min specs for, uh, for the Vive. Mm-hmm. So Be- because, because your, your game relies so much on physics, does, does the CPU impact Impact the game, the frame rate more than than most VR titles, or yeah, definitely. Um, so most VR titles seem like to try to uh, optimize graphics so that uh, graphics cards uh, can handle them. But what I'm running more into is is yeah, like you said, the CPU bottleneck with the physics. Hmm. Like I have uh, the fourth mission in the campaign has like. Uh, six aircraft taking off from the aircraft carrier, and then eight drones coming in to attack you. So for a while, that was just way too slow to play, and mm. I had to like figure out ways to optimize uh, the physics to make it playable. 
and I still have to do more work on that actually because some people are saying the frame rate's too low. That's really interesting. Are are you able to like to use like multiple threads on a CPU in order to kind of like get past that or like what's the best way like is it easy to account for different types of CPUs out there or um well the problem with unity is you can't directly interact with it with multiple threads mm. so because um i guess just the engine isn't uh multi-thread safe okay but uh yeah, so the only way to kind of optimize the physics would just to be um, like using in-engine techniques, like okay. having not too many colliders on a certain part, or uh, basically getting it down to the to what's essential and what isn't, and then yeah, exactly. Huh, interesting. Yeah, because I, I would imagine that for a lot of people, CPU bottlenecks in VR really aren't that big of an issue. Like most of the time, it's all about the GPU bottlenecks. So that, that's mm-hmm. actually really interesting. Huh. Well, that's cool. Yeah, no, ho- hopefully, I mean, uh, everything seemed like it was running well when we were, pl- we were playing on, I guess, a 6700K, um, but, but everything was running pretty, pretty smoothly for us. Yeah, I, I, didn't have, <laughs> I haven't had any issues yet, so. Yeah, yeah. And granted, that's like on the higher end spec, but still, like it, yeah. I mean, I guess to some extent, if Unity doesn't really support multi-threading that much, I mean, there probably isn't a huge difference between the low-end uh, VR CPU spec and the high-end. Like, to some extent, mm-hmm. a lot of the CPUs are kind of roughly, what, there's probably like a, a 20 or 30% difference between the lowest and the highest? Yeah. yeah. I can't be... But yeah, that's... But that, that. but that, that, is, that is interesting. Hmm. So... But yeah, what, in general, in general, what was it like? Because you did say that, that part of what inspired you to move over to VR is just that it looked like it would be a lot of fun to develop for. Um, mm-hmm. What were some of your early impressions of, of working on a VR title versus, versus like a lot of the mod work and stuff that you had done previously? Um, well, it's, it's a lot different when you have like that full view perspective and at first, actually, it was really annoying to like have to put on the headset and take it off every time you want to fix something. <laughs> but <laughs> like, like say I was 3D modeling the helmet, or my my friend was, and I was helping him. Um, uh, when I put it on in the game, it didn't look how, at all how I expected it to. Hmm. So those are like, like there's just things that you wouldn't consider unless you have two eyes in the game, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and you really, there's no way of knowing it until you actually try it out, kind of thing. Yeah, and um, then, like, just, yeah, being able to move around. And, and, what, and what's it like, I mean, m- going from developing a lot of, of mods and stuff to developing a sole prod, like, was it, was it a lot more challenging to be starting from scratch and coming up with ideas of, like, how you wanted everything from, from, from you know A to Z, or because I'm I ha- I'm not familiar with a lot of the mod content you've put out, so I, I'm not sure like if some of those are like you know I, I don't know if you refer to them as total conversions or like if they are if they are like mm-hmm. complete in and of themselves. But like, what was that like m- working on like like c- having to come up with something from from scratch? Yeah, so my mods were definitely just add-ons, and I hadn't like. I hadn't had to dive that deep into like how the game works at its core. Mm-hmm. 
so it was a big change and um but i kind of liked it because i knew exactly like how everything worked because i'm the one who wrote it and i was able to like just if i if i find a bug i know where to look for it and i don't have to like like email a developer or something <laughs> yeah yeah it was, it's just great having full control over the whole project very cool cool so i know the game is currently in early access and when going through um we you know there were several areas with, with coming soon but look looking ahead what's what's the roadmap looking like for you right now uh is there a timeline is there something that you can kind of speak to i don't know if you keep it close to the chest i know most people are actually it's just kind of all over the place but just curious where where your head's at and what you're thinking about in terms of of where you want this game to go uh in the future Mm -hmm. so um i'm focusing on single player um and i'll be finishing the campaign for or at least one campaign for the uh the vtol aircraft and i kind of just want it to be like a testing ground and just see like how people or what people think about the kind of missions that are there and um, like what works and what doesn't. And then I will probably make uh, an, either a new campaign based on that feedback or just improve what's there or um, like do something completely different if like people just think it sucks. <laughs> um, like, like some people were suggesting uh, having just dynamic or randomly generated missions Mm-hmm. And I feel like that would be pretty cool. Um, but aside from that, um, I'm pretty much 80% done working on uh, a fighter jet. And wow. a lot of people have been asking for that. That sounds cool. <laughs> that is so, exciting. Yeah. I can't wait to try that one. I, I mean, so Damon was actually, we were uh, speaking with him beforehand, and he was telling us about uh, just some of the posts and requests that people are asking for in uh, in the subreddit for the for mm-hmm. the game um like rudder pedals music players in the plane like what else what else is there are there <laughs> any other like random features or requests that you found where you're like yeah you know what i'm gonna take a stab at that or you know here's some fan service type of thing uh just curious yeah. about like the i guess the the less or the more trivial parts of, of being in an airplane these would be the the luxury parts of, <laughs> of being in the plane i guess yeah so i I put in the MP3 music player yesterday in a patch, <laughs> so that's out now. Oh, um, nice. Okay. And then for the rudders, uh, I have to buy rudders because I don't have any. Now I I can't make it work without actually having rudders <laughs> to play with. But yeah, I'll definitely have something like that in the future. I feel like you should put um, that out on if if anyone that really wants to uh, to help the cause, maybe they could uh, <laughs> they could send you something. Yeah. And another thing that people were, were asking, or, or they, they said that was um, like an essential feature, was being able to touch the bobblehead. Oh, <laughs> that's oh, actually oh. hilarious so, you say that because when when I when I first oh, was doing yeah, the training, I, I the one of the first things I did was try to go and hit the bobblehead. <laughs> and, and we started laughing and we were like man we should tell him about that I, I was watching along as as he did that and i was like oh that'd be so funny but now here you go mentioning it so uh <laughs> definitely definitely gotta make that happen man everybody as soon as as soon as they they uh, get loaded up in the plane like that everybody just wants to touch the bobblehead yeah so something funny about that um i thought it would be tr- pretty trivial to do just like 
have a, a hitbox or a collider on the on the head and then be able to smack it with your hand. But um, since it's like actually physically attached to the airplane and your hands don't have any feedback, you can just keep lifting the bobblehead and it'll lift the front of the aircraft. <laughs> so I have to find like some other way to get around that. <laughs> That's really funny. Yeah, I was going to say like pretty much everything else was working correctly in the physical spit, you know, physical realities of the game. The bobblehead, who would have known? <laughs> yeah. bobblehead is the key to moving the plane in, in ways <laughs> that you would never imagine well th- that's really cool that you're working on a fighter jet like how complicated was that to in- to implement I-, I i mean i it's not implemented yet but it sounds like you're you're really close uh, how-, how complicated was was doing a fighter jet compared to some of the other aircraft that you've done so far um well i was i was able to move like most of the systems from the vtol to the fighter mm-hmm. so it wasn't too complicated other than having a different model and adjusting the values like the wings will have more lift and the engines will be stronger so it really isn't like uh much of a difference in terms of developing it compared to the vtol Hmm. and and again everything just kind of once you once you modify those values and everything it kind of works how you expect it to and and yeah that's really cool no i i agree 100 percent um so I have a couple questions, but they're not VTOL related. They're a little bit more VR related, and I guess I'm just curious. To, I want to get your thoughts. Uh, and maybe, I, well, here, you know, maybe we'll, let's start at this because there's a lot of VR development teams out there. But obviously, mm. you're running the whole thing by yourself, and I think you know, uh, kudos first for that. I I know that there are a lot of other developers or aspiring developers out there. I know that they actually listen to this show. Just wondering if you can provide maybe a couple tips uh, or maybe even just pitfalls to avoid things that you've kind of learned along the way uh, being a one man show. Because, uh, you know, trust me, I I can understand like it's much harder when you don't have that team around you. And so therefore Mm -hmm. it speaks even more to what you've been able to do, putting out the game and the content that you have so far just on your own. So, you know, for other developers out there who are maybe scared to get their feet wet or whatever the case might be. I just thought maybe you could share uh, something that, you know, so, something that surprised you, something that you didn't really think about, but, you know, you, you'd maybe uh, give it as advice to aspiring developers. Um, I guess the major advice would just be not to give up. <laughs> and you, like, your game looks like shit in the be- Oh, sorry, excuse my language. Like, your game no, no, is no, really you're fine, you're, you're okay. fine, man. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, so it's always going to look really crappy at first, and you're going to think, like, this isn't going to go anywhere. And usually it does. It doesn't go anywhere. But if you keep trying and keep trying, something will, like, stick. And uh, another thing I would like to say is to let people try what you're making and to do that early. So I had a friend um, in Germany, actually, who I would just send builds to, and he would just play and give me feedback and eventually, I just uh, put out an invitation for, um, uh, for like volunteer testers even before early access, and it was just incredibly helpful to have uh, people try the game uh, and give feedback. So yeah. Oh, oh I guess since we're getting back into the game now, but what? Was there a point when you thought to yourself, okay, the game is now ready for early access? I, I'm ready or I think that it's ready enough to 
open up to the public and anybody who has a Steam account and a Vive uh, will be able to, to get it. What, what was that level? How did you reach that conclusion? What was that decision like for you? Um, I don't know if you can provide any insight on that and maybe just where the game was at the time uh, when you released it. Because I know you've released a couple different patches and updates since. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wanted to do it pretty early, even though it has a long way to be before being finished. Because um, since VR is kind of like is a really new thing and the control scheme I had um, hasn't been done before, I, I wanted people's like feedback early in the process. So uh, I just wanted to have enough that people could play different kind of scenarios and um, kind of like get a feel for how the control system works in different, different areas and like just enough that people have something to give feedback on because um, the earlier, the better. Like if I, if I didn't release it until it was completely done, and it turns out no one liked how the joystick worked. Um, that would be really bad. <laughs> so I, I wanted to like to have a really early uh, access release. Well, and I think one of the like you you kind of you, you spoke to this I, I thought really well. Um, one of the cool things about VTOL, especially in the Vive community, is that I think your control scheme, the unique way that you went about uh, making sure that you could enjoy the game using just Vive controllers really opens up the game to a lot of people, people like Zane and I, who aren't already uh, like hardcore flight sim enthusiasts. We don't have, like I don't have a HOTAS, I don't have joysticks or anything like that. A lot of the, the, the other types of games out there, whether it's VR or not in VR, I, I, I don't feel you know necessarily um, encouraged to go and try out because, you know, I there's such a, a huge, you know, barrier to entry. And and, and mm-hmm. for VTOL, I mean, assuming you have a Vive, you're really, you know, you're encouraged to go and try it out. And I think VTOL has the, the, uh, the, the, the capability of bringing a lot of people into those types of games that wouldn't have otherwise gotten to play them. So, so kudos to you for, for finding a way to make a game like that approachable for people. And mm-hmm. and doing so in a way that um, that doesn't dumb down the experience. It's not, you know, it's it's accessible, but it's also uh, teaching people kind of what what these types of games are all about. So, mm-hmm. yeah, thank you. Yeah, I mean, and just to just to piggyback off of that, what you were talking about before or earlier in the interview, and also before uh, we even jumped on this call, um, I'm talking about Ronnie and and my conversation. It, it was just the idea that. Ron, remember you were saying you would need all this equipment and mm. yeah, I'm, I'm like the type of person I'm sure a lot of other folks out there aren't going to be investing in, in that unless they're super passionate. And one, it, I think it's the power maybe, of VR. Maybe, yeah. Maybe people will, will try VTOL and eventually and, end up getting a lot of that stuff. But like, but, yeah. but, but really like there's no way of knowing until you get a chance to try it. Or the, I mean, the other thing too is just like some of that stuff becomes irrelevant now. If you think yeah. about it, like if you can do everything in VR, and I, I, again, this is obviously more gamified, but um, you know, we, we've we've spoken with with other folks uh, in VR that do uh, all types of training things. Like it's it's actually really incredible what you've been able to do in terms of translating all of that and making it, as Ronnie said, accessible for for the general public. Um, 
because I'll be the first person to raise my hand and say that I was was never into those types of games, um, really, and just because I didn't have the equipment, didn't really w- didn't have exposure to it. But it being in VR, um, me having a vibe, obviously, but it it being in VR and being as cool and as complicated as it was, like I don't want to. I don't want that to scare anyone off. Like I actually appreciate the intricacies of games like this. Uh, and uh, if you don't mind me saying, like I'm going to compare it to another game that that uh, Ronnie and I and Damon have really raved about, and that was Iron Wolf. I don't know if you've had a chance to play that, but that's the submarine one, which is similar in the sense you actually have to learn how to drive that thing and how to operate it. And so mm-hmm. this being translated, or, or you know, almost on a parallel line, being a a flight simulator and actually getting in it you know it was so incredibly satisfying the first time i took off and then the first time i landed because the first time i took off i didn't land smoothly Uh, in fact it took me a couple tries but being able to go through that like hey there's there's just something else about it so definitely definitely want to tip my hat to you for the type of experience that you've created thank you um so well, we're talking about the game again. I wanted to get more into VR, but <laughs> yeah. let's okay. Let, let's transition uh, back to that. I got a couple questions. So you developed some non-VR titles. You developed some, and, and now you're developing VTOL. Was there any like unique challenge that you came across? Something that you had to translate? And I, I know you you maybe brushed upon this earlier, but I just wanted to ask in a little bit more of a direct way. Uh, you know, something unique that kind of came about that really stuck out between the two types of development for you? Um, I guess, uh, I don't know. Like, to me, it actually wasn't, like, besides the things I mentioned before about, like, your your perspective and having to take off the headset to, to work <laughs> yeah, on it. on and off. Um, and you're not the first developer to mention that too. So <laughs> it's, it definitely seems like uh, something everybody goes through. Obviously, yeah. Uh, it wasn't too like too different. I guess just that you don't have key keyboard inputs, and moving your arms itself is an input. Um, makes makes you think about controlling things a little differently. Um, Yeah, I mean, was was the development environment like? Were, are the resources out there for VR development? Um, the, I I don't think I've heard from a lot of developers lately. I, you know, looking like thinking back to a few months ago when I, when we were talking to people that were kind of you know developing titles right around when the Vive came out. One of the one of the big things was the fact that there just wasn't a lot of information out there yet as to what worked and what didn't work. I didn't know, mm-hmm. like, if you could give us kind of an, a somewhat updated snapshot on that. I mean, you've been developing VTOL since the Vive initially came out. What, what do you think about the the about how a lot of developer resources have evolved? You know, from from when VR first came out till now. Um. Well, I'll be honest. I haven't been keeping up with the developer resources. <laughs> sure. I just, ah, like doing it, it on your own, I huh? Need, I like it. Yeah, if I need something to work, I'll just write the code for it. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. But hey. uh, there, I have been seeing like that there are toolkits and uh, like libraries that people rave about. 
So I'm sure there's plenty of things to, to work with. But like the, all the switches and the buttons and the, the knobs you twist, um, I'm sure there's libraries out there that have that kind of functionality, but I just rolled my own. So, <laughs> as as far as as far as developing VTOL and developing, you know, in VR so far, um, I, I know I know as a developer working on current platforms, I'm sure you're kind of just geared into what you're able to do with what's in front of you. But um, mm-hmm. what are some of the things that you kind of wish you had um, in the VR space? as far as you know capabilities of the hardware and that sort of thing and and what are some of your thoughts like looking forward as to um so you know some of these companies are working on um self-contained units that don't really need you know a, a separate pc to run and all this kind of set like what it as, as far as you know what are you kind of looking forward to um in the vr landscape going forward um i'm like i one thing that uh I have the most issues with is the difference in the controllers. So, like, I'm developing for both the Oculus and the Vive, and they have different thumb controls. Like, one has a touchpad, one has a joystick, and or a thumbstick, and then one has one more button than the other. So, uh, I guess as VR moves forward, I kind of wish that there's a more standardized like controller. Okay. Um, but I guess like there's still so many things that they're experimenting with. Like there's gloves and there's the hand tracking coming out. Yeah. Um, and there's the knuckles controller. Mm-hmm. So since like no one really knows the best way, and they're still experimenting, it, it'll be like a while before um, there's like a standard standard way to go. Because mm-hmm. like we're used to having PS2 or PS3 like PlayStation and Xbox controllers are pretty much the same. Yeah. And like GameCube controllers, so now like every platform for VR has a different controller, and it's kind of like you have to get used to each one separately. Mm-hmm. Well, and especially like I could imagine in a game like like VTOL, it would be a, a particular you know, it would be especially difficult just because like you are modeling the like the the player's body to some extent within the game, and like you're you know you're trying to model the hands and, and the arms and such and yeah using a a vive control a vive controller like the wands versus uh, an oculus touch for example one mimics like the hand itself while the other is kind of more more kind of a, a pseudo extension of, of the hand so mm-hmm. and, and we only i mean to be to be fair uh, we we played using the vive wands and everything seemed really intuitive but one of the things i was thinking about was hmm i wonder I wonder how this would feel if I was using a touch controller or something that more replicated a hand rather than I mean that said like I said you did I thought you did a really good job of of making the ones feel like like I didn't feel like it was like I was it it felt like a natural extension of my hand is what I'm trying to say. Well, but. you're also an Oculus owner, so I feel like you do you would probably do that with a lot of games where you, every time yeah, you jump into something you just really both. think about oh I wonder how it would be on the Rift. Uh, and vice versa. Yeah, yeah. But mm-hmm. just as a developer, like I, I mean, I uh, playing VTOL with Vive Wands worked really well. I thought, um, and yeah, I, I could just imagine that being kind of like a a challenge for you. And I could see how how it would help to have more standardized controllers. I, yeah, I'm, I'm actually curious uh, how intensive or involved of a project is it to add 
you know, a new controller to the mix. Because obviously, you know, Steam's work or Valve is working on their knuckle controllers, and then HTC's. Uh, I'm sorry, they they released like the trackers, which I, I've seen some videos, some footage of people using like these uh, tracking gloves with them. So. You know, if people wanted to be able to utilize those in the game, um, not that I'm I'm forcing you or making making you commit to do it. I'm just curious. You know, what what type of process is that? Uh, and I'm asking as somebody who has no development experience at all in any field. But uh, you know, with all, like you were talking about, I, I don't see this problem necessarily going away. Uh, if you know, if if we want to call it a problem, I, I don't see it going away in the near future. With all these different platforms kind of popping up. So what is that process like for you? How does it affect you? And how do you navigate through through that? Like, what, what's the decision-making process like? Will you be, you know, doing stuff for the Steam controllers, et cetera, things like that? Um, well, like starting off, I kind of was just only focused on the Vive Wands. Um, mostly just because that's all I had, but... Um, it was also like the shape of the wand worked perfectly for uh, like how the joystick works because you can just pivot it uh, off the bottom of the wand. Um, but then when um, like when I got around to getting the Oculus, it wasn't too much of a problem to convert it over because um, like it worked good enough, like. You, you, the controller isn't as long, so you can't um, like pivot it uh, like a joystick as much. Gotcha. Okay. But like everything kind of uh, like luckily the Steam VR um, plugin for Unity um, works automatically on an Oculus if you wrote it for a Vive. Hmm. Other than the thumbstick difference, so I, I, all I had to do is basically make the thumbstick work, since it didn't have a touchpad. Mm-hmm. Um, but as for going forward, I really have no idea until I can get my hands <laughs> off of hands on those. Fair enough. Fair enough. Devices. Uh, okay. No, a fair point. Like I said, I, I, w- I was just curious because I, you know, you're obviously not the only developer that has to worry about that. Every, every time a new controller or some type of device comes out, I feel like that throws a wrench in everybody's plans because you have to account for it and account for the folks that do end up getting that but still want to be able to play the game you know what i mean but i guess we'll we'll see we'll kind of see how how that all plays out when they do start coming out Mm -hmm. um well so we had just a couple more questions for you want to be respectful of your time if uh but maybe a a couple more questions if that's all right yeah sure um so i know we spoke uh, a little bit about the future of VTOL and where you're planning to go with the game. But I, I wanted to look a little bit further than that. Um, and I just kind of ask you straight up, like, are you, are you sold on VR? Uh, you know, would you ever consider developing another game, another VR gamer experience once you're done with VTOL? When, whenever that is, I'm talking, I'm talking about like years out. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I'm just curious from your perspective now, like, is it tough to go back to two-dimensional or screens uh, when you've developed for you know something in virtual reality and what what that experience has been like for you and if it sold you on wanting to to make that kind of the direction you go in the future? Yeah, I mean, I'm totally hooked on virtual reality, so that's that's where I'm going to focus on 
after you and after VTOL VR. Cool, man. Um, and I know we spoke about about VTOL, all the cool things you have coming up for it. Uh, but I guess this, uh, we got one more question, which is essentially just uh, a shameless plug where, you know, where's the best place that people can find you? Uh, it sounds like Reddit is a top spot, but wanted to give you an opportunity to uh, plug other areas uh, or social media or things like that uh, that you'd want people to to provide feedback with as you go through the early access process. Sure. Um, I have a Discord channel where I talk to testers and, and just anyone that's interested. And we have like a little channel for learning how to fly better called just Flight School. <laughs> um, <laughs> Great name. So the Discord channel, it's kind of hard to link that because it's like a well, weird no you so you can send that to me and i'll i'll make sure to throw it in the show notes um and i can i can put in i can essentially put in any links that you want me to in the show notes and people will be able to click through from there okay cool um so i also have a youtube channel where i post development uh like log videos um cool. so i can link that too perfect yeah i know we'll definitely make sure to to put that on there i i know other developers uh have done that in the past, but I don't think anyone has ever told us to link to their YouTube channel. So this will be awesome because I, I definitely want to follow along with, with what you got going on. Yep. Awesome. Paula. Well, we want to thank you so much for the time, man. We, uh, we really do appreciate it. Thanks so much for having me. Oh uh, yeah. Keep, you know, best of luck moving forward with the game. Uh, you know, you have support from, from Ronnie and I, if you ever need anything and, you know, just know that, we're, we're rooting for you, man. We really like what you've done so far. And, uh, you know, I, I'm, I know I'm not the only one because I'm kind of paraphrasing from a lot of the reviews that I saw for the game on Steam. You know, I, I really do feel like you're pioneering. I'm sorry, let me say that properly. You're pioneering into some really cool uh, spaces for VR and flight sim and just that whole genre uh, because a lot of people are excited about the game, uh, not just us. And so, you know, we definitely wish you wish you the best moving forward and, and definitely, you know, keep in touch and let us know when the, the full release comes around. Thank you so much. 